Welcome to What The If. Philip Shane here, solo uh, this week. Matt Stanley, my erstwhile co-host and historian of science, is off experiencing history and science, and perhaps if he's lucky, both of those together. He's on assignment, as they say. That leaves me with the the great honor of welcoming an incredible guest who I found when she publicized, publicized, published, posted something extraordinary on Twitter. And it can happen. It can happen to you. The dream comes true. Celeste Lebeds, PhD student in geophysics at Caltech. How are you, Celeste? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here. I'm very glad to have you here, too. It's been, uh, with, there's been a lot of back and forth working to get you on and I'm and, uh, on the show and I'm very glad we finally have um, you do you know when it was you posted on Twitter before we go into what it was when, when that I posted w- this back in November so this has been and you messaged me shortly after so this has <laughs> been a little while in the making that's considering how it is now February <laughs> that's right that's how important this story is uh, and <laughs> was there a uh, w- listeners are going to reveal it in a second. This is going to be going to blow your mind. Was there a particular um, w- what prompted this post? I can't remember if it was a special day or something in the news. So it was um, around the time of a small, a, a little bit of earthquake activity was happening somewhere in the LA area. I forget exactly where, and I saw a few social media posts from folks noticing that uh, there were some reactions to earthquakes in their own homes. And uh, that gave me a funny idea on a Friday afternoon. So I spent uh, a whole Saturday afternoon really flushing this idea out into uh, into something that's a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, then it's it's been uh, it was a lot of fun to make. And I'm glad a lot of people are having fun reading it. So here it comes for those of you, the uninitiated, which I'm going to guess is just about all of you. Um, it has to do with earthquakes and it was a, um, it was a radical proposal, I would say. And, uh, (laughs) it made me jump up with, with joy to see this proposal. Uh, tell us what it was. What was this incredible, what, it was sort of a eureka moment I think you had. So my idea that led to this this whole this whole uh this whole adventure has been what if we could make an earthquake early warning system like we have real earthquake early warning systems but what if we made one out of cats yes your pets your cats your lazy furry little friends just chilling out what if they could give us a few seconds of warning in the case of disaster so what the if Your pet cat or your neighbor's pet cat could save the world from at least your side of the fault zone from earthquakes. Because somehow, and this is something we do know, that animals seem to have a great sensitivity. First of all, is that real? Yes and no. 
So animals don't have any magical prediction powers. Animals can't predict earthquakes. Nobody can predict earthquakes. We really wish we could predict earthquakes somehow, but we don't have any evidence for anything that can reliably predict earthquakes. However, animals are a lot more sensitive than humans are, you know, I don't like to talk bad about humans, but sometimes we are uh, a little bit, we're, we're missing some of the details here. And uh, <laughs> some yeah. people are insensitive. Pets can. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> yeah. So our, lots of animals out there are a little bit more sensitive to parts of the world that humans might not be. You might have noticed your pet can hear sounds that you can't and um, or see small motions that you can't. Um, one other thing that they can do is they can sense small vibrations we can't. So people have often, uh, there, are, there are many stories of people thinking their pets can predict earthquakes because they see their cat or dog freak out as if they had felt something. And then a few seconds later, a human would feel the earthquake and think, oh my gosh, my furry friend is psychic. But there is an interesting, an interesting property of earthquakes that uh, means the cat wasn't psychic. It's just that they are a little bit more sensitive. So when an earthquake happens, there are multiple phases of seismic waves that emanate from the event. So the fastest one is called a P wave. So when you are some distance away from an earthquake, the P wave is the first thing you're going to feel, if you feel it at all, because it's not it's not a very high amplitude wave. For the most part, it's uh, it's a lot smaller than waves that might follow. So in a small to medium-sized earthquake, you're not going to feel the P wave at all. But your extra-sensitive pets might. So it did, It's funny. I was about to say, what does the P stand for? Does it stand for pet? It's like, here's the wave for pets. Uh, the, no, what does what is the P the for? P stand, the P stands for primary waves or pressure waves because mm. that's the type of wave it is. It's essentially a sound wave. It's a wave created by, um, uh, yeah, it's it's pressure. It's a pressure wave moving through the solid earth. So that's the fastest wave that comes out of an earthquake. And then the later waves that come along, first you have an S wave. S stands for secondary or shear. It's a different type of wave and that's a little bit slower, um, but it can often be a little bit higher amplitude. And then the really high amplitude waves are the surface waves. Those are slower yet, so they take longer to get to you. But those are the ones that really cause that higher amplitude ground shaking that um, you are way more likely to feel. So what happens in these supposed but not real pet predictions is a pet feeling an earlier wave that was weaker and then the human feeling the later wave that was stronger. Ah, so is it the... Is it the P wave that the pet is sensing or is there an even earlier wave than that, you think? So the, the P wave is the fastest wave that comes out. So that's the first one to get to you. That's right. the first one to get to your pet. And you might not feel it even though your pet does. Um, so you could, you know, even just be sitting, reading a book, nothing's going on. You don't feel that, but your pet co could. And, you know, shocked by this sudden, this sudden change of the ground shaking, uh, they, might, they might be a little concerned and react. So now then... Uh, so we can take this idea of, you know, animals sensing the first waves coming out of an earthquake, and we can connect that to real earthquake early warning systems, because that's kind of the same idea. Real earthquake early warning systems that are in use today in many places around the world use seismometers, which are 
detailed motion sensors, essentially, ah. to detect uh, earthquake waves, seismic waves coming out of where an earthquake happens. And so they're looking for they're looking to detect seismic waves as fast as possible because they want to get warning to people nearby as fast as possible. So earthquake early warning systems are detecting waves as they emanate from an earthquake. And then when a central computer says, hey, this pattern of motion, that looks like an earthquake, then it can warn people who the seismic waves have not reached yet that they should be ready for shaking. So I thought, let's combine those two. Let's take pets feeling earthquake waves and let's take earthquake early warning systems feeling earthquake waves and let's put them together. Let's turn the pets into the earthquake early warning system. Yes. Finally, they could get a job. If we can, you know, they might even get yeah, government funding. Yeah, those slackers, <laughs> those slackers. And, uh, so yeah, your, your pets could contribute. I, just, I love this idea. And how much warning are we talking about? How much? So yeah. for... For real earthquake only warning systems, uh, how much warning you get depends on where you are relative to where the earthquake is. And a pet-based earthquake early warning system uh, based on pets reactions uh, would essentially be the same thing. So an earthquake, no one can predict an earthquake before it happens, but once it starts, then an earthquake early warning system can start feeling those waves. And once it says, hey, yes, that's an earthquake, then that's when you can, using our modern communication systems, uh, essentially speed of light, get the message out there. So um, an event like uh, this past summer, there was the Ridgecrest earthquakes, which were, um, you can look up the exact epicenter, it was near the town of Ridgecrest, California. Um, in Los Angeles, the earthquake early warning systems, it wasn't high enough amplitude of shaking to warn the whole public, but the system is still in place. And um, if it would have been strong enough shaking to warn people, then the public would have gotten as much as I think 40 seconds of warning because mm. it takes it takes seismic waves a little while to just move through the earth. Oh, that's interesting. Even those fastest waves are moving at the speed of sound through that material. Right, right. So the most benefit, uh, the largest number of people who, well, the greatest benefit comes from the further you are away from the epicenter, right? We yeah, so... That's the tricky part of earthquake early warning, because yeah. if you are right on top of where the earthquake happens, you get no warning. I'm sorry. You're giving the warning to others. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So for for example, in the Los Angeles area or in the San Francisco Bay area, um, those are both on the San Andreas Fault where pretty large earthquakes can occur. And even just giving people a few seconds of warning in the case of an earthquake can make a big difference because if you are, you know, cooking, you can turn off your stove and be less likely to start a fire. If you are at the dentist, then the uh, drill can come out of your mouth and that sounds a lot more pleasant. Yeah. And uh, if you are just chilling out, if you are just working, then you can do what you need to do when an earthquake uh, is going to come, which is to drop cover and hold on to stay your safest. Yeah. I've only had, I, I lived in LA for a while and I had only two experiences and they were quite minor earthquakes. Mm -hmm. Um, one of them, I remember I was sitting at my desk, which is really just like a table, and uh, working yeah. on my computer. And all of us, and I lived in, uh, you know, a kind of regular little townhouse uh, garden uh, type uh, complex in LA, and in Silver Lake, actually, up on top of one of those hills. Oh. And uh, all of a sudden, the, the table just jumped up, like it went up and down. And I thought, that was really weird. And I actually, I, I, 
you know, <laughs> interested in earthquakes. So I actually said to myself, P wave, <laughs> like I knew, and something else is probably coming. Like what else would make this thing jump like that? And then sure enough, I don't know how much longer it was afterwards. If it was 30 seconds, that would have been a lot. But then it became like a real, uh, like a jackhammer type r- rumbling. And uh, I, wow. jumped, I jumped up and stood in the doorway as one is told to do. I have no idea what that the real- is actually a myth. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> so standing in a doorway is actually a bad idea because <laughs> you're going to get hit by a door. Right. <laughs> There's there's nothing extra strong about a doorway or anything. This whole right. myth, near as anyone can tell, this myth started when a picture of um, a destroyed house after an earthquake um, was circulated a long, a long, long time ago. Um, and it was an unreinforced adobe home. And so the only part of the, the house that had any reinforcement was the doorway. And so people right. saw this photo of this destroyed house with the doorway still kind of there. Um, but uh, yeah, there's nothing extra safe about a doorway. In fact, yeah, you're probably going to get hit by a swinging door. So it's actually not a good idea. Your best bet is to drop on the ground because um, you falling over is a really common way to get hurt in an earthquake. So you should get on the ground and then you should get underneath something because something falling on you is another common way to get hurt in an earthquake. And you should hold on to that thing. So if it's a desk or a table or whatever, you should hold on to that so that way the motion does not take it out from on top of you. Right. And uh, there's there's lots more safety instructions for different scenarios. So for example, if you are in a wheelchair or using a walker, you should lock the brakes on that. (laughs) And then you should um, do your best to cover your head. If you are in bed, you should just stay there and put your pillow on top of your head. If uh, you are in a car, you should carefully slow down and pull over away from uh, objects that might fall on you, like uh, power lines. So, uh, yeah, the doorway thing is a myth, um, but drop cover and hold on is the best way to stay safe. And if you want any more actual earthquake safety video for before, during, any more earthquake safety information for before, during, and after earthquakes, there's lots of websites. You can check out earthquakecountry.org for lots of good preparation and safety tips. That's cool. I I mean, that doorway thing, I feel like... uh... Yeah, it's a really pervasive myth, and I'm, yeah. I feel really sorry for all the people who've been hit by swinging doors. <laughs> or or even, I just thought, even if it wasn't a swinging door, just like the lintel or you know, whatever that is above you, you know, that could come down and or whatever, just the whole door frame could, yeah, it didn't seem to be have any great strength. I, I, I yeah, imagine there's... it came from some, uh, yeah, some situation way back when, when you are a stone arch, maybe, maybe was stronger in an earthquake. I don't even know if that's true. You know, a photo of an unreinforced adobe home. Right. It's near as, near as people can tell the, uh, the the source of that particular myth. Right. But uh, we're lucky we know a little bit more today. So it's uh, it's time to do some myth busting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Myth busting. Get out of the door. So I should have dived under the <laughs> dove. I should have dove under the desk. That would have been. Yeah, nice. your best bet there would have been to get off your chair onto the ground, crawl under the desk and hold tightly onto the desk until the shaking stops. Yeah. I Now, this is a really... This would be a, a more out there situation, but I've always wondered if I'm, for instance, in that building, I was on the second floor of a two two or three story building. So I actually thought I'm in better, it's somewhat safer up here on top. Whereas if I lived on, let's say the first floor, I should have run outside, maybe. So running 
Shaking is a terrible idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, when the ground is shaking, it right, is really right. hard to be moving around safely. Yeah, yeah, one of the most common ways people get hurt during an earthquake is falling over. And running makes it a lot, a lot worse. So you should, no matter where you are, first floor, second floor, anything, right. drop, cover, and hold on is your best bet. Yes, yes. It's like duck and cover back in the old um, hide from the nuclear bomb days. Still, yes, still yes. good advice. Still good <laughs> advice. So the cats. Um, yes, the cats. Back to the cats. Yes. How uh, might they help? So I guess if if my cat started jumping, or how they what if he started freaking out, and I was astute enough to think maybe that's an earthquake, uh, I I could have just dove under the table right then. Well, see, individual cats freak out for no reason oh, a lot of the time. You know, you can shake a bag of treats and they'll freak out. You can uh, turn on the vacuum cleaner and they'll freak out. Or yeah. just nothing happens and they'll freak out because they're cats. So rather than this being an individual system, this would be just like a real earthquake early warning system. This would be a large-scale infrastructure system. So my plan for the, oh, we haven't said the name yet, oh. for the Pet-Based Urban Rapid Response to Shaking, or PERS, um, my plan for PERS is to outfit cats in metropolitan areas with essentially Fitbits, an accelerometer to notice when a cat freaks out. Because, you know, individual cat freakouts happen pretty often. Yeah. But... When a lot of cats are freaking out in the right pattern, those Fitbits all reporting their freakouts to a central computer, just like in a real earthquake early warning system, can trigger an alert that could go out through the same conventional channels as uh, our current earthquake early warning systems today. So if your cat freaks out, maybe you want to get under a desk, but uh, you might be under a desk a lot if, uh, <laughs> if, if your cat is particularly yeah. jumpy. I would but be under the desk several times a day. all of the cats... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but if you have all of the cats in a huge city like Los Angeles, then all you have to do is watch for them all to be freaking out at once in a pattern radiating from a particular point because they would follow the seismic waves. And then, yeah, they would be the Fitbits would be reporting back to a central system that decides, hey, this cat freak out, that looks like an earthquake, or nope, just Snowball's house, the vacuum turned on or something. <laughs> oh, yeah, the vacuum. <laughs> would be a major, a major. In, uh, you get a lot of false alarms from the vacuum cleaner. Um, so let's say we. First of all, this this PERS program is going to have, or it needs a fantastic jingle. Somebody needs, and lot, there's a lot of talented people in Los Angeles as well as elsewhere in our audience. Somebody needs to write a song for PERS. Uh, some, somebody make me a jingle, please. A jingle, and someone is even more. Let's say if you have some video talent, uh, or or if you have radio or video talent. Um, a little like PSA, you know, sign to, to get you to sign your cat up with purrs. Uh, save, yeah. yeah, we got to advertise this. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't work. It, it's it's it. It does depend on the network effect. It depends on crowdsourcing. <laughs> right? We need a large effect. So, yeah, um, let's say we are in um, a central earthquake. Uh, we're, we're in some sort of facility where we can. Or actually, it doesn't matter where you are, right? You could be, if it's on the on the internet, you'd be able to log on. And so you can look at the monitor <clears throat> for this thing. And um, let's say it's a it's a map of 
you know, just like a regular map of, let's say, Southern California. And mm -hmm. um, all the cats are, uh, let's say, whenever a cat has, whenever a, the cat sensor goes off in a possible indication of an earthquake, a little cat icon appears. And... I'm making up the the uh, software interface for this. So as as the, the bigger the response, <laughs> I like it. the bigger the cat icon gets. Right. I'm just taking this from the. Uh, I loved the. Um, what do they call it? The shake maps or all all the different real time maps you can get. In, in yeah, California. yeah. So uh, we're looking down at this map, and, and an earthquake starts. Uh, where is where is a, a likely uh, epicenter that might appear? So here in Southern California, we have a lot of faults and there yeah. are a lot of faults, all kinds of places all around the world. Um, and uh, yeah, there's no particular way to predict when any fault is going to go at any particular time. Right. Um, and sometimes there are faults that we don't know about until they rupture. And that's pretty normal um, to find new faults when they actually when they actually go. Right. So it could be anywhere, which is why having a good infrastructure for earthquake early warning, whether with seismometers or cats, is pretty important. Right. Now so, there are different parts of the world where you get different earthquake frequencies. So we get a lot of earthquakes in Southern California, yeah. but not as many where in say Nebraska, where I'm from originally. Ah, right. Okay. So for this scenario, we're gonna make a scenario. We're gonna do a role playing yes. scenario. We're gonna yes. test we're gonna test the system. And let's right. say, uh, I feel like uh, it would be something, let's say just outside L.A. Let's say it's, uh, oh, you know where's a good place is, um, would you have an earthquake starting in the Alabama Hills in up near? In the uh, Alabama Hills? That's up So near, actually. In L.A. Right or, near the. It, in death, what do you call that? So uh, the, the Alabama area. Hills are quite a ways north, but there right. was a very large earthquake there in, I think, the 1870s. There oh. was an extremely large earthquake there. But let's see, for, for a little scenario here, I'd say let's keep it in the urban area. Okay. Um, let's say we have an earthquake over around San Bernardino. If you're not familiar with the L.A. area, the San Bernardino is, there's kind of uninterrupted city between um, L.A. proper and San Bernardino. But uh, yeah, San Bernardino is a little ways off to the uh, east. So if we had an earthquake there, an earthquake early warning system would start getting responses in San Bernardino because that's where the earthquake starts. Um, and then those responses would start expanding outward as the seismic waves expand outward from the event. Um, and, and so the goal of an earthquake early warning system is to get the warning to move faster than those seismic waves. So if you have a very clever computer, so like let's say we have, you know, the computer is hosted somewhere and uh, those Fitbits on those cats start reporting in, uh, start reporting in that some of those cats are going bananas. Um, then the computer says, hey, there's a lot of cats looking uh, looking a little worried right now, and they're in an expanding shape. That is an earthquake. And as we've seen from real earthquake early warning systems, you can get computers to learn how to make those identifications pretty accurately. So then you would use that central system to say, yes, earthquake, or no, not earthquake. And uh, if you want to be a little more detailed, you could have it estimate the size of the earthquake um, to get a little bit more idea of where you should be warning people. Um, and then the system sends out 
alerts to cell phones or um, public infrastructure systems. For example, slowing down trains in earthquakes is a great oh. way to uh, be extra safe. Um, and uh, yeah, so then you could, for example, in downtown Los Angeles, give people via their smartphones um, a few seconds of warning before the shaking might arrive there after an earthquake started somewhere like San Bernardino. That's interesting. So the people in San Bernardino would get no warning, but the computer would figure it out pretty quick. And then people in downtown LA would get an alert saying, shaking is coming, drop cover and hold on. And then they could all do that and be their safest before the shaking even arrives. And all the cats- And that's how it works with cats or seismometers. Right. (laughs) And all the cats of San Bernardino would get a little- uh, a ribbon of thank you afterwards. Yes, they they you all deserve service. extra. Yeah, they all deserve extra cat treats and catnip and a yeah. little salami for a treat. Like, yeah, I think, you know, I think Petco or one of these giant pet uh, chain pet store chains, you know, might might help uh, get this thing rolling. I think it'd be actually it's a good idea. Um, it would yeah. be fascinating so part, anyway, part of- you know, yeah. So part part of the um, part of the reason why it's fun to think about this cat based system versus just a regular earthquake early warning system is what advantages or disadvantages would cats have? Uh-huh. So one of the advantages is cost and station density. So for seismometers, it costs a lot to get a nice, good seismometer that's really going to get you accurate information that you can use for scientific purposes of studying the exact behaviors of earthquakes. But for an earthquake early warning system, you don't really need as much of that level of detail. Um, So uh, something like cats freaking out might actually get the job done. And it's way cheaper to put a Fitbit on a cat than it is to buy a lot of really expensive seismometers. So with this, with this system, I calculated there's something like 2 million cats in Los Angeles. So it'd be like having 2 million low quality seismometers instead of really there's there's something like, um, oh, I looked up uh, how many seismometers there are. Oh, I don't see it here. I have a couple notes, but I don't see it. Um, but you have like 7,000 times the density of cats in Los Angeles versus real seismometers. Fantastic. So it would get you a lot more spatial detail yeah. Um, even if you're sacrificing data quality a little bit. Yeah. Um, and is, is one, one thing that does come to mind is I think, are there not systems now or are they just not perfected yet that can, for instance, uh, there's, you know, millions, actually billion in the world, billions of cell phones that have accelerometers in them. Has anyone been able to use utilize that as a early warning system yeah so there's there's some folks um who are i believe affiliated with the berkeley seismological laboratory Mm. um who are working on a program called my shake and uh that is an app that you can put on your phone and first off it's cool because if you're in the state state of california it's connected to our real earthquake early warning system so you can get a few seconds of warning if you're in california you can download the my shake app Um, But you can also set it um, to you can also set it to use your phone's accelerometer just passively. And then it will look for when your phone is just sitting on a surface, for example, if you just put your phone on the table, then it'll realize, hey, 
I'm nice and still right now. And it will, uh, it will start recording and looking for looking for any motions. And there's been a few small earthquakes where they've checked out the data afterwards and can actually see some pretty cool stuff using just people's cell phones um, and the accelerometers that are already built into them. Although I real okay, so I realize now though that we don't know the real numbers on these, I'm sure, but the cats, it seems like the cats are are going to be more sensitive than the cell phone. Like by the time the cell phone starts shaking, a human is probably feeling that as well. I don't know. Maybe, phone yeah. accelerometers are pretty detailed. I don't That's really true. know what the comparison would be in, in true sensitivity there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, phone accelerometers are really darn good quality. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, they, they can they can get the job done. That would be really interesting. I wonder what those signals look like. Like, how do they, uh, what is the commonality that they're, the, where the system yeah, is able to say. What's the minimum, yeah, minimum threshold for cell phone accelerometer versus minimum threshold for cat feeling. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. If the, uh, you know, you're, you're mentioning Fitbit, but I don't know if the Fitbit does this, but like the Apple Watch, you know, like it senses your pulse and stuff. Uh, huh? That uh. would be helpful too, perhaps. Um, <laughs> you know, we got we got a lot of hyped up. <laughs> we have a spike in <laughs> cat heart rate throughout the uh, San Bernardino Valley. Um, so, uh, would this work on other animals? We must ask. Is there something particularly so, about cats? So, one thing about cats is that I really like cats. Yes, but uh, cats are also a useful candidate for something like this because they do spend a lot of their day sedentary. And the kind of the kind of um, sudden cat acceleration that we are looking for is uh, really nice if it's just starting from zero. So if you have a cat who's spending most of their day napping, then uh, yeah, a uh, a sudden acceleration in case of an earthquake would be more obvious than, for example, a dog running around a yard or a fish swimming around its tank or a hamster running on a wheel. Uh, you got to got to balance that level of uh, level of existing activity, and and cats are a wonderfully wonderfully sedentary animal. Yeah, that's interesting. They're basically all, and and if they're wearing one of these size, you know, uh, earthquake sensors or whatever seismographic sensors, <laughs> they are on the job twenty four seven. Yeah, I mean they're they can on actually, the job. We can no longer say, oh, the cat's life; they just sleep. It's actually stay sleeping. That's your you're protecting <laughs> the entire city. <laughs> I just stay there. Yeah. So in addition to, in addition to giving giving us you know love and enjoyment of just having a cat, we yeah. are also contributing to valuable valuable city infrastructure in earthquake early warning. <laughs> yeah, that is amazing. Um, and how far did I wasn't sure how how far you took this idea? Was it just on Twitter, or did you go further? Was this like a school project or a hobby or something where you went further? So this is just something that I spent a fun, fun Saturday afternoon working on and then posted it online because I knew that my other seismologist friends would uh, really, really enjoy that. Um, and then it spread a little bit further than I was expecting. But I'm very glad about that because a lot of people, uh, I think, learned a thing or two about how real earthquake early warning systems work. Um, and I was also able to plug our real earthquake early warning system apps. So that way more people uh, have now downloaded those. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also taking this to the uh, Festival of Bad Ad Hoc Hypotheses, <laughs> um, which is a comedy science festival that this year is in uh, Houston, Texas. Right. So um, I will be I will be performing this 
um, at Ba Fest. And when is that? That's in uh, coming up. Is it March? You said when is that? In Houston in March, uh, in Houston on March 8th at Rice University. If anybody in the Houston area would like to attend, tickets are available online. That's fantastic. I, I will say that, you know, you watch um, like you watch talk shows on TV or whatever, and there's a comedian on. And of course, the host will always say to the comedian, well, where are you going or a musician? You know, where are you going to be next? Oh, we're going <laughs> to be at the Laugh Factory and, you know, and. Yeah, Kalamazoo yeah. or whatever. I've never had a scientist say I'm going to be at the the well, Houston yeah. comedy science festivals. They exist, but yeah, I'll be at the Houston uh, Festival of Bad Ad Hoc Hypotheses. I don't know how bad it is, though. <laughs> is it really bad? Is it, I mean, See, it's definitely it's definitely impractical. Oh, but uh, it might actually work. And that's really what I'm here for. But yeah, wrangling two million Fitbits onto two million cats, that sounds like a long day. So a practical system in the world. And it, you'd have a heck of a time trying to catalog all that streaming in data. But it's still yeah. it's still a fun little thought experiment about, you know, how, how do you implement a big tech projects? And how do you uh, get a little get a little more uh, useful work out of a cat? Yeah, or even just thinking more broadly, it's like cats... Most cats, or at least a lot of cats now, you put a chip in it so that if they get lost, you can find them. Or at least if somebody finds them, it, it just says who they... It's it's the you know, electronic equivalent of wearing a little um, tag around Ooh. their neck. Um, I don't know if there's any way to do a cool chip version. It'd be tricky to power it. An accelerometer needs some kind of power, and it'd be real pain to have to plug in your cat every night. Yes. Well, it's, <laughs> it's powered <laughs> like the Matrix. It's powered by the body. Um <laughs> <laughs> I this, love it. This will happen. Yeah, this will happen. Um, so now one thing we like to do on uh, what okay. the if is I like to hit the fast forward button and go way okay. forward. And so and, right. and see see the ramifications. So um, because <laughs> the best thing is there's usually, you know, it's the unforeseen positive or negative effects of these things that become awesome. So <laughs> that's where you really All find right. out whether it's a bad ad hoc or not. Um uh, we you you successfully you got Fitbit and um, Petco and 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 the department Department of Defense probably uh, to uh, or, <laughs> yep, or DARPA they're all on board yeah DARPA <laughs> to, to to do this and so it and it became a thing and um, uh, all cats essentially in um, the the United States let's start there. Uh, have this. okay all the cats in the U.S. All right. Now, what could possibly go wrong, or what can go right? What could possibly go wrong? Well, one thing is we might end up with a little bit trouble, a little bit of trouble on other times of widespread cat anxiety. So, uh. for for example, <laughs> on the Fourth of July or during like a thunderstorm might be a little bit of trouble but yeah. the speed of sound in air is different than the speed of seismic waves through the ground so it might still be you might still be able to pick those apart but it could definitely lead to a little bit of trouble but yeah what what could go wrong well the cats could turn against us and plan a massive massive freak out to trigger all of our systems and cause a mass panic that way they can get into the cupboard and steal all the treats this is what I was thinking that evolution eventually it would take a long <laughs> time, but um, let's say the system works and so more more people survive earthquakes, so that's a good thing. And uh, over time, yeah. the cats 
slowly, boy, this would, be, this would probably take millions of years, but the cats eventually figure <laughs> out that if they all shake their little paws or whatever together, the humans dive under the desk. And so, yeah, eventually they could just, uh, um, cat revolution. <laughs> Have a lot of power over us. Exactly. Yeah, cat revolution. Exactly. I mean, or we could just, uh, if we become really reliant on on the system after, you know, a big disaster, um, then we could return to uh, maybe the ancient Egyptians had it right, and we should be worshiping cats. I mean, some of us do already. I <laughs> we know <should>. I do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, we could uh, have a have a higher reverence for cats in our society in the future if they give us some advanced warning. Yeah. Now, actually, thinking more productively, let's say within the seismology community or ge- geology uh, world, what kinds of things actually? Would you even let's say not not just cats, but like this idea of a massive web of um, just basically a much more detailed ability to sense vibrations in the ground, I guess. What kinds of things would you love to learn? What, what would be the use of that? What are some mysteries that you sort of don't understand? Ah, so this is a really, really cool question. Um, what do we do if we can have unlimited seismometers, um, unlimited, really good seismometers? So one thing that scientists at Caltech are actually trying to tackle right now is sort of figuring out the real detailed details of local geology and local reaction to earthquakes, because the ground under your feet makes a big difference in how an earthquake is going to make you shake. And uh, if we just have a low resolution understanding of an area, we might not be able to accurately understand how different zones might respond in the event of an earthquake. So if you are on top of a lot of sediment, which is lower density material, that can get a lot more severe shaking than if you're on, for example, very hard high density bedrock. So you might be able to figure out, for example, different building codes for even different parts of a city. Because if you know that some part of Los Angeles could potentially have a lot more severe shaking than another part of Los Angeles, then you can do your best to balance cost and safety in those different areas differently. And this is something that is an ongoing research process. This is happening right now. People are deploying seismometers. I have gone out and deployed seismometers in Los Angeles. I knock on people's doors and say, hi, I'm a stranger. Can I bury this thing in your yard? And I hold up a strange looking object and they just let me. Um, But yeah, so we do these surveys to try to understand what's going on in more detail with the geology in places like LA. That way, in large earthquakes that will be coming in the future, we don't know when, but they are coming, um, then we can have a better idea of what areas need to be prepared to what levels. Yeah. I would imagine that the ultimate um, power or, or you know, the ultimate knowledge that, that uh, seismologists would love to have, or, or like I say, geologists of any kind, um, is I can imagine like I could hold up a rock, you know, and I could push on it or bang other rocks against it. And, and I could imagine some sort of, um, I don't know what kinds of devices are used for this, but I've seen things where it sort of looks through the material and you can see where the stresses are, for instance. Um, right, if you had like a plastic ball and you pressed on it, you would see the waves. There's some kind of device that could see them through light refraction or something like that. It sounds like we we are very far from that kind of, 
full understanding. Yeah, so that's we're we're talking about the same goal here is when yeah. when an earthquake happens, where it sends the waves, where and when those waves are received at different points. That gives us the info of what's going on under our feet. And yeah. that's what gives us the answer to the question that I was talking about of how are different areas going to respond differently in an earthquake? So yeah, we're going for we're going for the same ultimate goal here. Yes. Bring the cats. Uh, yes, bring the cats. Give us more. Give us more. I mean, ideally, maybe uh, get a little bit more money into science in general so we can put out more real seismometers because yes. that high quality data that you can't get from a cat gives you uh, even more info. But uh, yeah, bring on the cats. Yeah. You know, we use dogs for um, sniffing and for all kinds of useful yeah. techniques there. But yeah, the cats are underemployed, <laughs> under uh, underutilized. Um, so support <laughs> your local PERS program. Um, get, yes. <laughs> get down to the uh, get down to the Veterans Lodge and uh, bring your cats and get your, you know, there'll be PERS day. We'll be handing out Fitbits <laughs> for the, uh, for the clip cats. them right on the collar and then you're good to go. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, thank this. I love this idea. When we, as, as so often with these I, these uh, sort of uh, big imaginative ideas, we barely scratch the surface. Uh, we can't oh, yeah, scratch. Yeah. We can't scratch. Can't scratch the, the surface. <laughs> uh, where would you like people to? First of all, let's say where can people go? You mentioned a few links, but is there uh, some other places you want to mention where people can go to learn about uh, any of this? Seismology. Yes. Or, so if folks yeah. are interested in earthquake safety, they can check out earthquakecountry.org. That has all kinds of tips for what you should do during an earthquake, that drop, cover, and hold on. They'll also tell you what to do before an earthquake, how to build an emergency kit so that way you can stay extra safe in case your power goes out, um, stuff like that. And they'll also tell you what to do um, after an earthquake, stuff like, you know, how to. Um, check if your house looks like it's safe to re-enter. They have all kinds of safety info for all different cases um, on their website. It's a great place to go if you live in an area that is prone to earthquakes or if you even don't and just might visit one someday. It's still worthwhile to know what should you do in an earthquake. Um, if you want to learn more about earthquakes, um, there's uh, a rad Twitter account you can follow that is uh, uh, iris underscore EPO, I believe. Let me double check that before you tell anybody. Um, yeah, so it's the there's a rad Twitter account you can follow if you just want to learn more about earthquakes. That's Iris, I-R-I-S underscore E-P-O. And uh, they post all kinds of rad uh, animations of like how earthquakes work and how seismic waves um, move throughout the earth. That's really cool. You can also check out the US Geological Survey, has a lot of really interesting info on earthquakes. That's a good place to go for earthquake myth busting. They have a whole section on their website oh, of like, cool. here's some myths about earthquakes. Let's let's bust all of those. Let's see what's true, what's not true. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the US Geological Survey is an awesome resource. Um, and uh, yeah, the earthquake early warning systems that are already happening are an awesome place to go. Um, so in the U.S., the only place that currently has earthquake early warning systems is California. And if you're interested in that, you can go to myshake.berkeley.edu and they'll have all the info for how you can download an app to set off uh, an alarm in case some stronger shaking might be coming your way. Um, 
There's also the ShakeAlert LA app if you are in the um, if you are in Los Angeles itself. And uh, I believe it's not going to be too long until the rest of the U.S. West Coast ends up with a, a, a real earthquake early warning system. I think Washington and Oregon are going to be getting something out to the public within the next year, I believe. Um, So, yeah, it's it's pretty cool to see these systems start to implement. There's already been a few small earthquakes in California that have sent warnings to people to give them a few seconds of warning. Um, No major ones have happened in anywhere like Los Angeles or um, the Bay Area that have sent out warnings yet. But, uh, yeah, a a few folks have received warnings for some earthquakes in some lower populated areas, which is really exciting to see real earthquake early warning systems. Even if they aren't made of cats, it's still exciting to see them working. (laughs) Yes, even if they are made of cats. It's funny, uh, one of my favorite things (laughs) on the USGS, uh, I love the USGS site for all kinds of reasons, but uh, they have a uh, did you feel it, right? Usually there's a. They, if there has been an earthquake or or even not, whatever, you can go there at any time, right? And there's a thing where it'll say, did you feel it? And you can submit, uh, yes, I felt it. And it'll ask you a few questions about it. how strong was it? How long did it last? And it uh, sounds like they need a second uh, checkbox there, which is, <laughs> did your cat feel it? Did your cat feel it? I yeah. love it. And yeah, it's one thing. If if you feel an earthquake, or if you know an earthquake happens and you didn't feel it, you should go on the USGS website and fill out those "Did you feel it?" because those are actually really helpful to scientists. Because yeah, in addition to cats, humans can kind of be like seismometers too, because we experience earthquakes. So yeah, it's it's really helpful to scientists if you can go fill out those "Did you feel it?" reports afterwards. Yeah, that's really cool. But it's something people don't think about, like um, in astronomy, for instance, and certainly amateur astronomy. I think a lot of people are aware that they can contribute in some way. Um, yeah, by watching the skies or taking pictures or reporting or whatever. But I, I bet size, uh, geology is not something people think about as sort of a citizen science contribution they can make. Yeah, I bet there's a ton. You can even, if if you really want to jump into some seismology citizen science, you can even get what's called a raspberry shake. Oh, That's yeah. a seismometer powered by a Raspberry Pi microcontroller. Um, so if you Google Raspberry Shake, I'm sure you can find the info on it. But yeah, then you can have your own Raspberry Pi powered seismometer. You can connect it to a network of them worldwide. Um, I know there are teachers who have those for their classrooms, which is really rad. Um, and there are just some uh, amateur seismologists who are out there with their own Raspberry Pis and uh, recording recording earthquakes happening. I am getting one of those. I must see. Oh, yeah. That yeah. sounds fantastic. They're- they're pretty rad. Totally got one. That's fantastic. <laughs> and speaking of rad little toys, you, I don't know if you know this, Celeste, you are going to receive a special gift. Uh, oh, from all right. What the, if a little, just a little token of our gratitude for your bringing <laughs> science to us and to the world. And it is a finger puppet of a great scientist or science fiction character uh, from these <laughs> friends of mine. There's a company called the Unemployed Philosophers Guild. Uh, oh, awesome. Their, uh, their website is philosophersguild.com. And uh, yeah, you or an- anyone who's listening um, can just because they're fans of our show, uh, you can go to philosophersguild.com. If you use the coupon code WTIF, uh, you can get 10% off anything on their store. Um, but yes, I will be sending you a a uh, a little, guy, uh, you know, somebody who maybe could, you know, I'll have to look to see if they got to have, if they don't have geologists, I'm going to complain. We'll have to find one. Yeah, we can be... send in some suggestions if they don't have any geologists yet. Yeah. Who would be the most famous geologist or a famous geologist? Oh, golly, I don't know. Well, for 
for seismology, your uh-huh. two famous seismologists are Charles Richter himself, for whom the Richter scale was named. Uh-huh. And for a famous modern seismologist, you have Dr. Lucy Jones, who was always on TV after the earthquakes. Um, so, uh, yeah, those those are a couple of options. But there, there's Fantastic. been a lot of rad geoscientists out there in the world. Yeah. I'm sure the unemployed philosophers could find a few favorites that they yes. might want to do. I'm going to guess that by default, every seismologist is rad. <laughs> I'm just going to declare that. Uh, thank you so much. And I love, you know, geology is something we, we've not touched on enough. And I love geology. Um, and I'd love, yeah, if you're interested, in it, we'd love to have you back and, and talk about more. Yeah, and cool stuff. I'm friends with a lot of other. I'm friends with a lot of other geoscientists. If any of them have some wild what the if style ideas, I will definitely send them your way. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, for those of you listening, uh, you, you send in your uh, you know, any of your thoughts, your reactions, and your ideas for future ifs. If we choose one, like if if an audience member suggests uh, an if scenario or what the if, um, and we use it, then you too will uh, receive a finger puppet just for having your idea <laughs> become a topic of a show. Um, you can email us at feedback at whattheif.com. You can go to our website, whattheif.com, to hear uh, all our all our previous episodes. And follow us on Twitter at whattheifshow. Um, I think that is all. So, Celeste... Thank you so much, and and uh, good good wishes to you for uh, what what is there a um, for instance astronomers say clear skies or ad astra they have these little things. is there some is there a greeting you give to seismologists like see I, I would think Ooh, it would be I like quiet ground but you don't actually want quiet ground I mean when when I see them I can say what's shaking but I don't <laughs> know about I don't know about like a goodbye that's just a hello. <laughs> What's shaking is pretty. <laughs> I think it would be uh, may all your may all your earthquakes be gentle. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, there's something for our audience. Come up with something like that. I like that. May, may, may your earthquakes be interesting but safe. Exactly. Yeah, that's true for all sides. Uh, yeah, yeah. And anybody's subject should be interesting but safe. That's right. May the massive dis- natural disaster you study be very far away in time and space. <laughs> Um, all right. Thank you. Wonderful. Um, and all my best to everyone out there at Caltech, a wonderful place. And uh, every, oh, our final thing is now this is you, you may not all you may not know uh, if you haven't listened before. We have a ritual at the end in which because when we think about what we're going to do next week, we have no idea uh, who does really. You know, there could be an earthquake between now and then. Who knows? Um, so. When we think about all the ifs, all the possible scenarios that could be coming our way, uh, it fills us with uh, excitement and horror. And in reaction, we cannot help but scream the name of the show very slowly. Like, what the if? So if you would join us in this ritual, join me, the royal we, that would be fantastic. And here we go. What the two?